Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is December 30th. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but today is the last day of this week's Come Follow Me block, which means today is the last day of the New Testament. Today we finish up the book of Revelation and we finish up the New Testament and prepare ourselves to jump into the Book of Mormon. As excited as I am to jump into the Book of Mormon, I am sad to leave the New Testament behind. It has been a beautiful year filled with the teachings of the Savior, his life, his ministry, his disciples. We've gotten a chance to see what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be his disciple, what it means to choose him and his church and his leaders and his doctrine over everything else. And it has been a beautiful year. I'm also a little sad to leave behind the book of Revelation. I was just saying that it's been a little bit hard, not because I don't love the book of Revelation. I do. It's just, it is so intensely symbolic that to really, really understand it, we would have to take a verse a day. We'd have to take it a verse at a time and just deconstruct it. And that's not the point of this particular podcast. This podcast is to give us 10 minutes a day every day. And sometimes that means that we have to give a little bit more of a general overview than a verse by verse, but hopefully you've been able to glean some important things from the book of Revelation. And let's talk a little bit today about the end of this book, because at the end of the book of Revelation is where we find the joy and the hope for the future. So before we jump into specific verses from the book of Revelation, there are a couple of verses in the book of Mormon that I want to talk about. In Alma chapter 48, we learn a little bit about Moroni and the kind of man he was. Listen to what it says of him. It says, If all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. So here we learn that the adversary had no power over the heart of Moroni because of the type of person he was, because of the choices that he had made and the way he used his agency, the adversary had no power or control over his heart. In 1 Nephi chapter 22, verse 26, it says, And because of the righteousness of his people, Satan has no power. Wherefore, he cannot be loosed for the space of many years, for he hath no power over the hearts of the people, for they dwell in righteousness." and the Holy One of Israel reigneth. Now, the reason why I wanted to read those first is because today we're going to take a look at Revelation chapter 20. And here in Revelation chapter 20, it's going to start out with an event during the millennium. Listen to what it says, starting in verse 1, it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Now, I don't know about you, but I specifically remember being younger and hearing about Satan being bound for a thousand years. And in my mind, I had this picture of him just being wrapped around with rope and laying there kicking and screaming with a gag in his mouth and not being able to talk or to move and all of us just walking past him doing our thing because he was there bound up. 
But what I've realized as I've gotten older is that the adversary is not going to be physically restrained. He's not physically bound. He doesn't have a physical body to bind. Rather, his binding is going to be what we saw there in those first couple of scriptures. Like Moroni, because of his heart, because of his righteousness and his goodness, the devil has no power over his heart. And like we read in 1 Nephi, because of the righteousness of the people, Satan hath no power. And so here, when we talk about the adversary being bound, when we talk about Satan being bound in the millennium, he's not bound with ropes and cords and chains. He's bound because of the righteousness of the hearts of the people, because they use their agency to follow God rather than the adversary. And when we do that, we remove all power from Satan. Joseph Smith once taught that the devil has no power over us only as we permit him. And so in that time in the millennium, Satan is bound because the people give him no power. The people choose righteousness. Now, that being said, Joseph Smith taught that there will be wicked men on the earth during those thousand years. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that there will be no sin during those thousand years. And I think that that's important to recognize. But that sin will happen not because of the adversary's temptations, but because of the agency of man. One of my favorite quotes about the millennium, and especially about the binding of the adversary, is by Spencer W. Kimball. He once said that when Satan is bound in a single home, when Satan is bound in a single life, the millennium has already begun in that home, in that life. That we can already begin that sacred time of the millennium when we live our lives in such a way that the adversary loses his influence over us. So how do we do that? How do we bind Satan? How do we cast his influence out of our lives? I think the best example that we have of this is found in Moses chapter one. Remember, the Lord appears to Moses and he calls him by name and he says four or five times to him, Moses, my son. He really teaches Moses his own identity as a child of God. And he shows Moses who he is, his creations, the world without numbers, and then he leaves him alone. And Moses says, wow, man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. But when Moses is there alone, the adversary comes to him and he says, Moses, son of man, worship me. He tries to make Moses forget his identity as a child of God and tries to tempt him. Those things are things that we deal with in our day and age as well. The adversary tries to get us to forget who we are as children of God, and he tries to tempt us in different ways. What I love about the story of Moses is that we learn how to be stronger than the temptations of the adversary. We learn a pattern for binding the adversary and overcoming him. The first thing that Moses does is that he relies on his knowledge of God. He relies on his knowledge that he is a child of God, and he relies on his knowledge of who God is. That knowledge of who God is and who he, Moses, is as a child of God gives him power to say to the adversary, get thee hence. And then the adversary throws a little temper tantrum, and it happens a couple of times. And finally, Moses teaches us that the power of God is always stronger than the power of the adversary. The adversary can be scary. 
Temptation can be scary. It can be hard. But remembering Moses helps us remember that it doesn't matter how scary it is, how dark it gets, the power of God and his light is always stronger than the power of the adversary and his darkness. And so Moses draws all of his strength up and he calls upon the name of the Lord and in his name casts Satan out. And Satan, even though he's mad and even though he throws a tantrum, he has to obey. He has to obey the power of the Lord. So that's one way that we overcome the adversary. That's one way that we can begin to bind him in our lives. We rely on our knowledge of God. We rely on our knowledge of our relationship with God. And we rely and trust in the power of God. Another way that we can begin to bind Satan in our lives and in our homes, we find in Joseph Smith Matthew. In verse 22, it warns us that if possible, they shall deceive the very elect who are elect according to the covenant. So we learn that in the latter days, one of the signs of the latter days is this mass deception. But then we're also taught in verse 37 how we can overcome those temptations, how we can be stronger than the adversary. Verse 37 says, And whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. My friends, if we want to be stronger than the adversary, if we want to begin the process of binding him in our lives, we have to learn to treasure up the word. Especially as we begin tomorrow to study the Book of Mormon, we will find strength and power to overcome the adversary. President Benson once taught that there is power in the book which will begin to flow into your lives the moment you begin a serious study of the book. You will find greater power to resist temptation. You will find the power to avoid deception. You will find the power to stay on the straight and narrow path. When you begin to hunger and thirst after those words, you will find life in greater and greater abundance. And President Nelson taught, My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life. I promise that as you daily immerse yourself in the Book of Mormon, you can be immunized against the evils of our day. My friends, there are incredible promises that come as we dedicate ourselves to the study of the Book of Mormon, and I look forward to doing that with you starting tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 